0: Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by Always. There is Joseph on the screen, not always presented to you by Joseph, but presented by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. I am Mark K from Australia, joined as always by the uh, probably the most handsome beat writer I've ever seen. It's Will the Go Gottlieb. Will, how are you, sir?
1: Oh, now I'm doing good. I was great too when uh when Joey tried to take over the bot. I, I think uh, I think he's got a feature here in the in the hosting game. Did you did you happen to yeah. see the video that I posted of him doing the Map Pack intro? Because that was <laughs> we we did do a couple I, I of takes, but I thought it I thought it ended up turning out pretty good. Uh,
0: it, it was very good. I, I go between, to be fair, and I don't know if Joey's listening now, but I, I go between wanting to trash him. But also wanting to to big up him because I know Dave and yourself and, and Matt can get on Joey a lot. So I like to be there in Joey's corner to to lift him up. But at the same time, it's my it's my instinctive nature to trash people. So I, I go back and forth on it. But uh, yeah, Joey. That, that he is the that ultimate there little brother in. of the group.
1: You got
0: to give them both. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Well, anyways, we're not here to talk about Joseph. We're here to talk about our our favorite basketball team the chicago bulls who for whatever reason continue to make life very difficult for us at times which is annoying um and look we're obviously going to be continue reacting to the loss to the to the indiana, indiana Pacers last night. it's not, not so much getting into the play-by-play or who did this who did that like the, the, the stats of it all those sorts of things it's probably more holistically thinking about where does this or how does last night's loss sort of or, or should it really factor into what, what, what the bulls should be thinking about next. And obviously we're a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. I think it's two weeks tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm getting my uh, my mask incorrect in that sense. But effectively like the trade deadline's very soon. We've been talking about it for for a while now, given the up and down nature of this Bulls team, it's become it's going to become a reality soon that they have to do something. We assume or we assume they have to do something. Obviously time will tell. But a loss like like last night is an interesting one because for me at least, like it pushes me in so many different directions. And I'm sure the people tuning in, whether it's here on YouTube, whether it's, you know, Vice Spotify or, or Apple, we appreciate everyone. But like I'm sure they're thinking the exact same thing that we are, Will, that all right, cool, we're feeling good again when when the Bulls beat the Pistons. We're feeling feeling good when they, you know, they've in, in their last fifteen or so games, they've won more than they've lost. They're top ten in, in net rating. Their defense has been top ten. Their offense is like top fourteen, top fifteen, something of that nature. So, like this, like the high level numbers read read nicely. But then you get a loss like last night against the Pacers, who were without you know Tyrese Halliburton or who without Andrew Nemhard, who's there. I know he's a rookie, but he's their backup point guard. Like you effectively got your ass kicked by T.J. McConnell and Miles Turner. Like, and like, I guess whatever goodwill you thought you had with this team, it sort of evaporates so quickly with a loss like last night. So, I mean. How do we process it all? Like, are we overreacting to one loss or is the fan base completely just in in their reaction to a loss like like last night?
1: So I think there's kind of a lot to unpack with that. Um, At the end of the day, let's just start here. The wins and losses are the stat that matters. Like you can talk about their clutch record. You can talk about their three-point percentage, how they're defending, what their offense is looking like. None of that matters if the record is what it is. And right now they're in 10th place. They're as far yeah. away from um you know 12th as they are from 10th effectively or from 8th excuse me. So it's not like they're locked in at the 10th seed. I think we've kind of gotten to this point where it seems like they're kind of going to be the 10th seed. I think that's kind of the feeling that I've at least had. I don't want to speak for you or anybody else but like it seems like that's kind of the direction they're trending but like if they keep on having games like that, I don't think that's safe either. Um Yes, they have put together a really good stretch here, right? 11-7 and 7 since the Minnesota 150-point game. Um, they're plus 3.3 in point differential, which is like a 49-win pace. So they're playing good basketball. But again, they're not winning. I mean, they, they're winning over the last 18 games, but they're still three games under 500. I think that speaks volumes in terms of, one, where they started, but also where they're trending. When you start to put together – Some of these good wins, your offense is looking better. It's 13th in the league since the Minnesota game. Your defense is seventh in the league since the Minnesota game. Like, those are great numbers, but you continue to shoot yourself in the foot with these kind of losses. It digs a hole in the record and in the standings, but it also just makes you question. I think like what this team actually is. Like we've spent the last week or so hearing Demar Derozan and Zach Levine and Vucevic and all these guys talk about. There's no more time to mess around anymore. Like this is this is the time we gotta actually win these games. We know what we need to do. We know we can compete with the high level teams. We're know we're we know we're better than some of these lower level teams. And we just need to take care of business. We need to uh, pay attention to the details and just not mess up. Like they're they're beating themselves. And then you have this loss, as we said a million times last night on the on the postgame show, you have this loss where you're playing against a team that's lost seven in a row without their best player and you're up twenty-one at halftime like I, I i thought i was like uh calmed down from being pretty heated about it last night but it's i mean that's a that's a really embarrassingly bad loss and um you know after the game darnell mayberry of the athletic reported that the team had another team meeting um and it just seems like every single time they put two or three good games together they have one of these brutal, terrible losses that just really sets them back. And the record is one thing, but just like the momentum, I think, really just got destroyed after that game.
0: Yeah. And look to not to quote well, I don't necessarily want to quote uh, the bad bald man, but uh, last night felt like a double loss. Uh, and the reason being like all right, you need to make up you mean you need to make up ground. Obviously, like I mentioned before, the Pacers were an undermanned team. They're without their best player, an all-star player. But they were literally one game above you in the standings. You had an opportunity to to go past them in the standings. As our friend here in the in the comments, Parajunia Sports is suggesting. That had they beaten the Pacers, not only do they beat the go above the Pacers, at least momentarily, they would have been tied with the Hawks, who the Bulls had beaten earlier in the week. And then slowly but surely, and potentially. Yeah. So, like, I mean, potentially. They they could have worked towards themselves being in eighth last night, or at least hovering around around that. We've got a game against the Hornets tomorrow. Uh, there's there's a game against the Magic coming up, and there's a there's, you know there's a string of ga- games beyond that that are quote unquote winnable games. Now I know winnable is a, uh, a relative term for this team at the moment, but there was an opportunity to you know get things going from that point of, that point of view. So that's why I'm annoyed about last night's loss. Was this was a perfect opportunity to to make up ground. <laughs> Now, I try to be as rational about this whole thing as possible. And, and as AK in the comments, is mentioning here, like bad loss, losses happen. Like, I mean, and, and you can go every every single day in the NBA, there's a weird perplexing loss that just doesn't make ses- a sense. Like the the Boston Celtics this season have lost to the Orlando Magic three times. Like, how does that make any sense at all? They've lost like, to the, like, the boys twice. Well, yeah, that, that's another one too. So, like, there are... Like every night on the NBA calendar, there is an upset or two. So from that point of view, you can look at last night's game against the Pacers as uh, you know you can you can brush it off as just a a one, a one thing a one game thing. We're overreacting in 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 real time, but at the same time, like it's always the reason why we get so heated about this thing. It's it's always the same trends that keep copy that keep popping up. Whether it's the defense falling over, whether it's crumbling under under pressure for whatever reason, like they did last night. Whether it's the decision making in the clutch in clutch situations not knowing who is the the guy in those clutch scenarios or going away from virtual like insert whatever narrative you want to insert these things keep just coming up up coming up and up and up so like that's why i think people are frustrated and i think why we aren't actually overreacting to to, to last nice nice like in a vacuum yeah okay you're gonna have games through an 82 game season where you lose it, lose lose a game like the like the Pacers game on a back to back after a uh, you know a trip overseas type thing. Maybe there was jet lag involved. Who the hell knows? But nonetheless, when you sort of put it all together, I guess that's where that's where things start to get frustrating. I guess so. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't know how to feel about it. And and then from that perspective, like I. It's it's fair enough for us to be like reacting on a game to game to game basis, but I just wonder like what does a game like last night, what does a loss like last night do to someone like a tourist kind of this Like, does that really ultimately change your perspective, or you know, to your point, like you, this team is three games under the five hundred, the twenty two and twenty five, or whatever the record is, like. I mean, you are who you are ultimately from a win-loss perspective. So even if they won last night or even if they lost as they did, like does it ultimately really change what, what we should be thinking about this thing going forward as we move towards the trade deadline?
1: It's a really tough one for me because I was kind of, I don't want to say like sipping the Kool-Aid, but like when you have an 18, 17 game stretch, that's like a decent sample size and you start to buy into some of the things that you saw. And again, you have like the... DeMar DeRozan injury where he misses three games or five games or something like that. And they lose a bad one to the Wizards and a close one to the Celtics. Um, Obviously they came up with a great win against the Warriors, but it's like, could they have done better if DeMar was there? Obviously you have the Cavs games where the Bulls got robbed. And again, I'm not interested in those kind of excuses or moral victories for a team that just, as I said, like you just need wins at this point. You can't, just live in the past with um you know like how performance like how how you've performed in certain events because like i said you just you need wins at this point in the season um and to your point about like Tarnachev and how he's got to be looking at this like billy said it in a press conference a while back that he's not going to take a look at Uh, the the period of, you know, whenever we were then two or three weeks back to the trade deadline and make decisions based on that period of time. Um, He's going to look at the broader picture. And the broader picture is they've had some really nice wins. They've had some even worse losses. And the number of bad losses exceeds the number of good wins. And the record is what it is. So I I don't see how you can possibly look at a 15-game sample out of, you know, the 47 or however many games that they've played this year And say this is who we are now yes they have improved yes they have gotten better but they're not good enough and i think you saw that last night in spades so to me and and we can get more into it um, in segment three when you know we talk more about like what they're actually going to do with the trade deadline and how this game affects it but this was just a reminder to me that this team is that they're not quite they haven't turned the corner in the way that I thought they had in the way that they thought they had and in the way that they need to because, again, it comes down to wins and losses, people. I can't say that enough.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Like, I'm, I'm not suggesting that's wrong, but, like, at the same time, like, I always look at numbers. And to your point, like, a 15, 20-game sample, given where we are at this, at, at this point in the season, isn't small. Like, it, it is a decent sample. And through that sample of games, the Bulls were, like... Like at the moment, they're plus two point four. But they've had you know, they've had segments of this sort of run where they've been like plus three point three. We talked about, um, I think the other day, on Monday show was it They were talking about how the big threes as a as a collective, their plus minus as a group has gone from a negative to at least being even now. And and the reason that's happened because over the last sort of 15, 20 games, they've been you know plus three plus four something like that. So and like I mentioned before, like on both sides of the ball they're really good on offense. They're really good in de- defense. So like, I'm not suggesting that that's who they are, but those segments of what happens there from that perspective gives you hope that, okay, maybe they can be what I think they can be, but then they go and do, they go and do something like, like they did last time. So I, you know, Billy can say that they're going to look at look at it, look at it from a broader sense, I guess. But I, I guess like how broad are we going in that, in, in that sense? And, and where are we cutting it back? And I guess, from that perspective reporting has been to date at least that the bulls are expected to do very little at the trade deadline so if that's the case and and the and the reporting is accurate and remains true maybe maybe things have changed since those report that report has come out from the athletic but if if that's the case that, that the bulls are expected to do nothing at the trade, trade deadline then we'll get into a, bit, a little bit more later on I'm assuming then that a loss like last night doesn't discourage Billy or AK or whoever it may be that's um, ultimately making all these decisions.
1: And I think, I think it should. Just given what we talked about as far as like the trends. I mean, if you want to point to a trend, eleven and seven over the last eighteen games is nice. But like the Magic lost, the Rockets lost, the Spurs lost, the Wolves lost. Like these games outnumber the good wins and. You know, I, I'm just looking at the schedule here. There's eight more games until the trade deadline. You've got at Charlotte tomorrow night, Thursday night. You've got at Orlando, two very winnable games. But again, who knows with this team? You come back home, you got the Clippers. That's a really tough game. And then you've got Charlotte, Portland, San Antonio, all winnable games. And then you've got Memphis. So that's, that's seven games before the deadline. And then you play Brooklyn the night of the deadline. I don't know what record they would need to go through these next seven games for me to feel more confident. And like, this is who this team is. Um, They had a real chance to get towards 500 this week um, and and they're making it harder for themselves. But again, when you keep having these kinds of losses, it makes you wonder if like even getting to 500 is good enough. We talked about it last night as well. Our sat down on the podium last just to, to, in like the preseason press conference and said, we want to be better than we were last year. And Mm -hmm. Even if they get to 500, that's not better than they were last year. Even if they get to the AC, that's not better than they were last year. So to sit on your hands and not do anything, um, whether it is taking a step back, splitting up your, your core three of Vooch, and Zach, or adding to it, um, you know, as we've talked about in the past, I'm not sure I feel comfortable like giving up more assets to build around this group when they're aging and you've got free agency questions looming, but I do think they've got to do something. You can't say these are your goals and be you know, trailing far below what your standards have to be and not do anything. Um, so these next seven games, this next two weeks is gonna be really important. But again, if what you're looking at is the big picture, I don't know how you can evaluate this group over the next seven games and say, this is who we are when you've got such a larger sample size of wins and losses. Um, like I said, some good wins, some really bad losses. But I don't see how you can just look at that and make a decision based on these seven games, Um, especially when you keep on having these bad losses. Like, it just, to me, it just kind of wipes away all the goodwill you've built up.
0: Yeah, no, no, all fair, all fair. Uh, And this is the issue. I don't know if there is a good answer to this all because one day I'll be feeling one thing, the next day I'll be (laughs) be feeling something completely different. And that's just what this team does to us for whatever reason. But nonetheless, like, I I guess a, a bigger... What's going to be like? What's going to be really interesting over the next coming weeks is what can they actually win these games given the, the the current state of of Zach Levine and his injury and the hand thing and we can talk about his game last night a little bit more. But before we get into Zach and his recent re- regression, can we tell the people about our friends at Goose Island, William? I'm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked that that CHDO has got this this uh, this partnership in place here with with Goose Island, um, because as, as people know, and, and as I keep continuously banging on about, like I'm, I'm coming over to Chicago soon. I'm very excited to get over to Chicago for for a number of different reasons. But the idea of getting together with you guys, you know, you Big Dave, Matt, Joey, whoever it may be, even in the listeners. And just grabbing a nice cold one at the Goose Island Beer Company, like how good is that going to be? So if people aren't aware, CHGO is supported by Goose Goose Island Beer Company. It's been Chicago's Chicago's beer since nineteen eight nineteen. I was gonna say nineteen oh eight. Uh, 1908, I was nineteen eighty eight people. Nineteen eighty eight. So that's still a long time, but nonetheless. What a fantastic beer they've got going. And I can't wait to try some American beers. Some, some beers actually brewed from the US, in the US, and to get it, that down my job. So I can't wait to, for that to happen. So this is like legitimately a partnership that I'm actually really excited about. And I'm glad that we're doing this to the point where I've actually been seeking at goose Island beers here in Australia. There are a few out here. They're a little bit hard to track down, but nonetheless, I'm going to do all I can to get some, but I can't wait to go to see it uh, to, to to Chicago, get my hands on some goose Island beer and, you know, have a drink with you, William, with Joey, whoever it may be. It'll be, It's going to be a good time. So they ha- they brew their own beer. They've obviously got Ball City Edition beers as well, which the, the can itself matches the 22, 23 City Edition uni- uniforms, which is pretty damn cool as well. So, you know, if for whatever reason you want to go down and grab a, a, a beer or two, I can I recommend going to Goose Island's two locations, which are open and ready to welcome you and your mates, whoever it may be, go in and grab a beer from their innovative tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room. Whether that's on one 800 West Fulton, or maybe you can go in there and get uh, you know grab a beer, get a burger, you know at any point in the week at the original brew house. I think it's okay, Clyburn Brew House, I believe it's called. Will one on one hundred one one eight one eight hundred North Clyburn. So if you want to get down there and get some beer, uh, you know, put in a reservation. Put, get, in, get yourself some beer. Go to do. You can also go to gooseisland.com. Um, check out all the locations. Goose Island, the beer company, we're very, very proud to have them on board with CHD. And like I said, I can't wait to get to a brew, a brew house and have a beer with you, William.
1: I'm really looking forward to that too. If there's anything about the Paris trip and meeting some of our fans there, just got me so excited to finally meet you. And I met Mort for the first time. I can't believe I met Mort. Before I met you, that's kind of crazy. Um, But as you said, we are very proud of our partnership with Goose Island. We are also very proud of our partnership with DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They are my go-to for any hoops action, whether it's same game parlays. Uh, They have fast, easy, reliable payouts and a variety of player prop options. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. That is just free money. You're you're making a mistake if you're not doing that. So, if you're looking for an even bigger payout, take a shot at our Friday night favorites. All you have to do is go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in and place a select two-leg pregame money line parlay and you'll get a 50% profit boost. That is free money and you'd be a fool to skip out on it. So, if you want to join the fun, go to the App Store, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app Using promo code CHGO, as you know. And all new customers, if you bet $5 on the NBA, you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. That's promo code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can check out our show notes for details.
0: Yes, you can. You can do all that. And, uh, i can do all that more and, and more for sure but let, let's get back to the podcast uh well do you know that i played my first competitive basketball game last night for the first time in years how, how do you think it went how, how do you think it went uh
1: if i want anything like it went for me shooting hoops in paris for the first time in a really long time uh i'm gonna go with not so great
0: well you you're you're you bang on my legs are sore um I didn't get much sleep because I was still jacked and juiced after the game, so I'm operating on a. Uh, yeah, I'm just not with it today, but nonetheless, I was one from nine from the three point line. I just couldn't buy a shot, couldn't hit anything. And why am I telling you this? No, I'm not. I'm not just saying this to uh, trash myself. Why am I saying this? Is I'm trying to draw parallels here his Zach Levine. Does that his-
1: mean you have a bruised ligament capsule in your right knuckle? Well, maybe that's the
0: sad thing for me. I've got no excuse other than being old, fat, slow, white with a seven-inch vertical, whereas Zach obviously clearly is a very talented basketball player, but nonetheless is going through it right now. He's, as you noted, got the, got the hand injury, which seemingly has propped up over the last five or six games. Uh, you know, since that injury has been in place, he's 4 of 36 from the three-point line. Clearly, it's impacting his ability to shoot the ball. The injury is on his shooting hand, so you would assume that would be the case. It seems like it's also impacting his ability to handle the ball or control the ball, which was something that we wouldn't necessarily say was a strong suit for Zach, but it maybe it's something that's been amplified now that he has this injury, which makes it a little bit more difficult from that standpoint. So as we saw last night, so many loose ball turnovers last night where... Know he should T.J. McConnell just just put him in the bin basically. So, uh, you, you didn't like to see that from Zach from that point of view. And I guess the point, like for me now, it's like okay, well, c- clearly he's injured. Clearly this is impacting him. But the fact that he's got an injury to his shooting hand, like, and, and he was asked about it, like whether it, whether this will be a thing that lingers. And it basically, he was just wait wait and see. Essentially, was his response. So talking about like the next couple games, next seven games, what it means for the trade deadline and those sorts of things like Zach's play will be a big part of this. Obviously like the fact that he's carrying your injury, that won't stop him from being involved in this thing. It's not like he's going to take a game or two off here. It's not like he's going to go off the ball all of a sudden and reduce his volume, reduce his usage. He's still going to be the same old Zach, just an impaired version, to be honest with you. So, uh, this this injury as well is a sneaky little thing that has the opportunity here to to maybe continue to de- derail the ball season. It's not what they needed at this point, where things need to be perfect for them to for them to write the ship, so to speak. But uh, I mean, what do you make of it all? Like, is this something that you think will impact the balls going forward? Should it impact the balls going forward? And maybe should Zach, knowing he's carrying this injury, should he be changing his game up a little bit whilst whilst he sort of nurses and mends this this injury through the season?
1: So Zach is 436 on three since his hand injury. That's 11%, not very good. Um, he had six turnovers in the fourth quarter last night. All six of his turnovers came in the fourth quarter of last night's game. Four of them came in the last two minutes and six seconds. I wrote about it for my post game story on lchgo.com. I mean, just kind of unbelievably bad, like disasters. Like, I mean, it just outlier bad performance from him but I do think it has to do with that hand injury obviously like the handle and not being able to like control his dribble as well he's he's not the best ball handler in the world but he's not this bad right like he's averaging yeah 2.4 assists per game coming into last night's game which was the lowest has been since the year he came back from his ACL injury um, he's gotten better almost every single year that he's been in Chicago uh, when DeMar came you know obviously he stole some usage, but uh, turnovers went way down for Zach. So he's he's not great, but for a player with his kind of usage, not terrible either. This was something spectacularly bad. But again, I do think it is a result of the hand injury and specifically the shooting. He was over 7 on threes last night. Um, feels like just yesterday we were talking about how he's shooting 55% on catch and shoot threes and how the three-point shot was really starting to bring his his whole game back from when he started the season just not looking his best coming back from this knee surgery so um basically the way that he was attacking the basket i think relied heavily on playing off of his jump shot where he's getting these catch and threes he's knocking them down all of a sudden the closeouts come a little bit harder and that allows him to get downhill and play with an advantage where he's more than capable um You think about him handling the ball and pick and roll. When he's pulling up for three over screens, the defense kind of freaks out on you and they start to go over screens instead of falling back and going under. Um, They lock and trail and they put you in a position where, again, you have an advantage and you can go downhill and make a play, whether it's getting to the basket yourself or kicking it out to an open shooter. None of that is there for him if opponents are just like, yeah, you can shoot and it's not going in. So I really do think that's affecting his game i think it's a problem that he is so reliant on his shot like he's a player that's going to have a long career because of his shooting ability that's a premier skill set in the nba it's what every team wants it's what the bulls need um so i do think he has like a long career ahead of him in terms of just being one of the most lethal spot up shooters in the nba but you know he's a guy that wants to be ball down he's the he's a guy that wants to create offense And if the shot's not falling um, and his handle isn't as tight as it needs to be, and he starts to press and force things, that's when you run into problems like last night and it kind of sabotaged them. I mean, I've been sort of a Zach apologist the last couple of years because I think he's really improved his game and played at an extremely high level, been a really worthy all-star each of the last two years. But this was 2017, 2018, Zach trying to do everything in a game where They just needed him to be better. Um, They needed better decision-making down the stretch. They needed guys that could, you know, absorb the pressure and intensity that the Pacers were playing with. And Zach kind of just crumbled in that.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And look, I I know this is a Bulls podcast. Obviously, we like to talk about what the Bulls can control. They should beat a a, a Pacers team like, like last night. But at the same time... I like to give credit where credit is due. And I thought Riccardo did some pretty some pretty good coaching last night, particularly in those clutch situations deep in the fourth, whereby he started trapping the ball. Well, obviously, no, uh, De- DeRozan's going to be in that situation where he's handling the ball. They were sending two to DeRozan. Uh, in, in those sorts of situations, to beat the trap, obviously you dump the ball off in, in short, short short roll situations. You get the ball to Vuc at the nail. And then you let him sort of play advantage from there. We've seen that work a number of times. But what, what the what the Pacers did really well is not only did they send two to the ball against DeMar, but they were also making sure that someone was manning up on the short roll. So Vuc... They, they took away DeMar is basically what I'm saying, but they also took away Vooch in those instances as well. So what ultimately ultimately what happened was the ball would end up in Zach's hands, who was being guarded by TJ McConnell. So whether that was a circumstance, whether that was a coincidence or whether that was just a planned thing, the, the fact that, all right, let's take away, away DeMar, let's take away Vooch, let's get the ball in Zach's hands. And they wanted to attack that. Like I, I'm obviously speculating here. I don't know the correct answer, but like based on the outcome of what happened, it kind of felt like that was a scheme that they were working towards there deep in deep in the fourth quarter. So if that was something that they were doing, like hat tip, that's good coaching. And uh, yeah, he t- the way the Pacers really took Zach away from or took Zach out out of the game and his decision making in that in that instance. Like coming back to a comment that I made earlier, like. It's always the same things that continuously pop up with this team. And it's not just Zach specific. We can talk about the entire team more generally, or we have. But like for Zach, it's always been a question about turnovers and decision making deep in the fourth, particularly when he wants to get on ball in this sort of situation. So it's clearly not what he excels at. It's something that he wants to do. So there's naturally this impasse that's happening here, which is probably stems a lot of. Uh, Or, you know, any of the frustrations that exist between Billy and Zach, like I would imagine so much of it is due to role and the fact that, you know, I I can't sit here and imagine that Billy doesn't want Zach more in in off ball scenarios and, you know, Zach thinking completely differently and wanting to be more in those on ball scenarios. Like he got an opportunity last night when the ball was swinging to him. So many times he just tried to put the ball on the deck against TJ McConnell and just, it just didn't work. So I want to say part of that is the hand injury, but again, like part of it is just, consistent theme of what we've seen him do in the path. So I, I just don't know how to I don't know how to process it all, but like ultimately if this hand injury is limiting his ability to handle the ball, to shoot the three, that really like takes away so much of his value, which like I said before, he's not gonna he's not gonna get off ball. His usage isn't gonna decline through this period because it's just not who he is. So it's it kind of feels like they're gonna have to almost um you know play around this sort of injury and, and sort of try they'll need to make up points elsewhere to sort of you know, I guess with what I'm saying to, to account for Zach sort of slumping here because I don't necessarily see him changing his game or him adapting to the situation and that potentially could be you know really problematic.
1: And I mean it's also just terrible for the Bulls generating points. Like we already know they're yeah. the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Now you have your best three-point shooter shooting not only making fewer threes but attempting fewer threes because he's not feeling as comfortable um you know the last couple games he's been six seven seven before that there was a stretch where he was 13 12 13 11 and billy donovan kind of said he needs to be between 10 and 15 every night they need that kind of just added variance in their offense uh with the three-point shot but also like that is something that zach is best at that probably is the best attribute of his game um and so when you take that out of a uh, an offense that's already struggling at times that already has probably the most cramped floor of any team in the league. It's just a really tough problem to overcome. The Bulls are already at such a disadvantage, just mathematically. They're not getting to the foul line as much as they used to. They're turning the ball over more than they used to are They don't get offensive rebounds. Um, and so when you remove the three point shot, basically from I mean, he's the one guy you can point to on this team who's like a high volume, reliable three point shooter. Vooch has been much better this year. Kobe has been fine, but like, you don't win games in the NBA with that kind of floor spacing. You just—it's really difficult to do it. Um, and so, I mean, th- this this is a huge problem for Zach. It's a huge problem for the Bulls, and I don't really know how they overcome it other than Zach just getting healthy. We don't really understand the extent of this injury. Um, he's obviously added the the tape around his hand. That was new. He didn't play with that the first few games after the injury. He's mentioned it several times now that this is something that's bothered him. Um, after the the game last night, uh, he had a quote, let will see if I can find it here. You know, I'm playing with a messed up finger, obviously on my shooting hand. You can see by the numbers, I'm not shooting the ball well from three. I can still get to the cup and shoot free throws, shoot mid range. Obviously you can see by the numbers it's affecting my shot but it's not going to keep me from trying to go out there and help and contribute. So again, it goes back to his mentality of I'm going to do something to try to put a stamp on this game to try to make my impact felt. And when the shot's not there, you remove the three-point shooting, the three-point spacing and the floor geometry, but it also puts you in a position where now Zach has sort of regressed to this version of himself that quite frankly just wasn't very good and wasn't good enough to help the Bulls, to help the Bulls compete at the level that they need to right now to get themselves squarely in the mix for a play-in, let alone a playoff spot.
0: Yeah. And like I said, I don't foresee him at any point in time, like adjusting his role, like understanding that he can't shoot the three or, or maybe he's not as efficient. Like I don't. And like, what could he even adjust his
1: role to? Because you can't just say, all right, spot up now. And you can't just say, well, your hand's hurting. So let's just give you the ball. Like We've we've proven that he that he's not a reliable um point guard right now based on the way that he's handling the oh. ball. So it's just a really tough spot to to find a place for him well, in the offense.
0: Well that's what I'm alluding to. Like it like like last night, like is that a game where he should have that recognition and that awareness where his, his dribble-drive game just wasn't a thing that was possible, whether it was the hand, whether it was the defense, whether, uh, I don't know, maybe he just wasn't checked into this game, whatever the situation might be. Like, uh, like Clearly, it wasn't working where he was trying to take McConnell off the bounce, trying to create offense off the bounce like that. And maybe part of that reasoning was because DeMar and, and Vooch were taken out of the game effectively by that trapping scheme, so maybe he wanted to to put the ball on the ground and do something from that point of view, which I, I guess makes sense because like, are you really going to swing the ball in that situation to paddle Caruso to do something? You can't necessarily trust them much in those situations either. So I, I get it and, and I can see his perspective, but I, yeah, I'm just wondering how it all, how it all comes together with with his hand thing being what it is. But I, I guess the the irony for me is like, it, like a week, two weeks ago, whatever the situation was when, when Zach was on fire and, Playing some some fantastic basketball, averaging near thirty points a game. Like <laughs> so much of the conversation amongst the fan base at that point was like, "Why are we running things through Demar? Like, let's get Zach more on ball opportunities." And I was just thinking last night, "Oh, wow! Well, this is this is why we this is why we play through Demar here. This is why he is the man at, when it when it counts." And I know it's unfair to suggest as much, given that Zach's carrying this injury right now. It clearly, is impacting his basketball. Clearly, impacting his play. But. I don't know. Like I said before, like these are the same things that we've discussed with Zach in the past. It's being amplified now with the hand injury. But as, as Big Dave noted last night on the podcast, like there were still some turnovers that weren't necessarily, uh, well, probably more IQ based rather than physical limitation based, if you want to refer to it as that. So it's an interesting one, but. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Zach, his injury moving forward. But uh, it potentially has the the ability to to impact what the Bulls are trying to achieve here going forward. But let's let's move on. Let's talk trade deadline. Let's talk buyer sellers because that's what everyone wants to talk about, right? We're two weeks away from the trade deadline. Everyone wants to get into that, and we will. But before we do, I want to tell everyone about our friends at Greenridge Farm. So everyone knows it by now, but if you don't, Greenridge Farm are the makers of all natural deli meats, sausages, and, of course, their famous meat sticks. So Greenridge Farm, a Chicago Chicago local meat and cheese company, they offer you the best all-natural options for all your meat needs. So they are perfect for tailgating, happy hours, school lunches. If you're at a game covering the balls and you need to get a meat stick in your well, go, you know, go to Green Ridge Farms. That's where you go. They're na- they're all natural meat sticks. Are hardwood smoked for eight hours, and they jam sixteen grams of protein in each stick, which makes it the perfect post workout snack. So you're into your chicken, your beef, whatever flavor you're into, jalapeno, cheddar, spicy chili. Green Ridge Farm have you covered with all of that. So if you haven't tried it, friends, go go and do so. Go go get your hands on some Green Ridge Farm meat sticks and all their other amazing products. So right now, when you order three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a, a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free when you use promo code CHGO at checkout. Like that is a freaking great offer. So if you want to get some, you know, whatever whatever the situation you want to be, like if you want to get some meat, if you want to get some meat, meat sticks... They come free when you use primary code CHTO at Footage Farm. So do that friends. And uh, I promise you, you'll, uh, you'll thank me later. You will thank
1: him later. They are really good. I can't confirm, but I also want to tell you about our friends at Foco. Foco is an amazing site to get everything you need in terms of sports gear. So you've got your favorite sports coverage in all of Chicago. That's us in case you forgot. That's why you're watching the show. But check out Foco. They will get you fitted in the best sports gear around town. Uh, from Soldier Field to the living room, north side, south side, they've got hoodies, they've got slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar, and we know Damar likes to get decked out. He is the comfiest-looking athlete in all of Chicago, maybe of all time, with apparel from the leaders in sports and merch collectibles. That's Foco. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan of your life, maybe they're excited for the Super Bowl coming up, or you just want some bulls gear, Foco has you covered. You can get hoodies, you can get coats, you can get socks, you can get shirts, anything that you want. They've got it at Foco. So go to the Foco website. That's foco.com. You can also click the link in the description below. And for all non presale items, use promo code CHGO and you'll get 10% off. That's promo code CHGO at all uh for all non-presale items at foco.com foco.com
0: beautiful so let's 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 round out this podcast with the uh the conversation that everyone wants to talk about it's that it's you know why would you not like this this is this is going to be a critical deadline for the Bulls for in, in a number of different ways which is why i think they need to do something we've expressed that on this show a number of times as has literally every fan that i've i've had some sort of uh You know, in some sort of conversation with anyone, everyone has to sort of suggested they need to do something. Now, obviously, people have varying opinions as to what they should do—some small, some grand—but nonetheless, like, I think we all feel something needs to change. Whether that's, like I said, something small around the around the edges of the roster, or whether it's something a lot larger. But nonetheless, like, ultimately, the Bulls need to pick a lane. They need to set a direction here. They need to do something. And ultimately, they need, they need to explain what that will be. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens. But nonetheless, I mean, buyers or sellers, William, should they be one or the other? Will they be one or the other?
1: It's a really tough question. And I think that's why we're probably hearing basically nothing about what the Bulls will do at the deadline other than they probably won't do anything. Because yeah, I think right now, AK is feeling maybe a little bit paralyzed by – the corner that he's painted himself into you are out two more future picks right with the pick to the magic top four protected going this year and then a top 10 that turns into top eight protected pick to the spurs in 2025 um you've got a free agent in nikola Vucevic, which you have a piece coming out about that uh i think tomorrow so go check that out um You've got Kobe White as a restricted free agent. You've got a deal with Ayo DeSumo's free agency. There's a lot going on here. And I think at the end of the day, Artur still believes in the core that he has. I think he thinks that the Bulls have been playing better lately and that if they can get Lonzo back, they can start to look a little bit closer to what they looked like at the beginning of last year. Um, when we were doing this show around this time last year, Bulls HQ, we were talking about trades that they needed to make at the deadline to add talent. And that was before Lonzo got hurt. So I personally, I mean, and that that was when they were, that was before Lonzo got hurt. It was also while they were playing their best basketball. And we thought at that time, you know, they have a real chance here to make a push based on the way that they're playing. If they can add another guy that makes them more dynamic right now, that that could be, you know, they could be a legitimate contender. Um, obviously things went off the rails. They started to go sideways even before Lonzo got hurt, but then he and Crusoe missed a ton of time. And that was kind of that. But I think if you're, if you're looking at it from the perspective, uh, perspective of like, we can be good when Lonzo comes back, which again is a massive question mark. I still think you need to add some talent in order to get to a level that would at this point be like six seed, right? Like that's still in play. In theory, but like I, I don't think they've done anything to prove to me that they're capable of getting there uh, without a bit of a talent upgrade. Um, I have liked what I've seen from Kobe and from Derek Jones and from Crusoe, obviously, as the three-man bench unit alongside the starters of Iopat, Damar, Vooch, and Zach. But you can't play with eight guys. I mean, in the playoffs, maybe your rotation gets trimmed down and you've got Javante potentially coming back at some point. We'll see what happens with him. I, I still think they need to add talent if they are going to continue on this direction. For me, I'm just not sold that they should continue on in this direction. When you have games like that, it really does affect my opinion of the upside of this group. Yes, you can be trending upwards, but this is the kind of game that just drags you down to the the same team that you have been, the same team that we've had problems with. And to to add talent, whether it's in the form of giving up picks or consolidating some of your uh, lower level contracts, maybe it's Derek Jones, maybe it's Kobe, whatever it is. I think that's a really scary proposition for a team that is still on the outside looking in. So I understand the difficulty of this situation. Um I don't think Arturis is gonna basically get to February 9th and look at the record and make a decision based on that. It's gonna be a larger thing, but it's I guess where I stand right now is like I would I don't want to watch them just piss the season away. I want them to be better. I want them to play well. And I think in order to do that, they need to add some talent. But it scares me that that could mean giving up the 2027 pick and digging themselves deeper into this this hole of just not really having any assets to play with, especially when you could potentially lose your third best player next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, part of, part of the calculation when putting this, te- this team together was... All right, let's trade picks. Let's get in ready to win, guys. Ready to win now, guys. Like like Fuoch, like uh like Demar. Put that next to Zach. Let's get in Alonzo and Caruso. Obviously, that five-man unit is is super effective as as we know. But part of the calculus for them trading away picks was they were confident in guys like Pat, Ayo, Kobe making some sort of leap. Not necessarily a stardom leap, but being ready to go, guys. Now who could help? Help you know help help this group going forward. But I want to write about this, but and maybe I will next week. But ultimately, like a, a serious basketball team doesn't isn't starting Ayotisumo and, and Patrick Williams at the same time. Like they're just not. I'm, I'm sorry to say. So to your point, I do think they need an upgrade at point guard. I think they need an upgrade of power forward. I think going into this season with with Pat as your your main starter is fine, but to have his, his support pieces be Derek Jones Union and Javante Green isn't good enough. And without Javante now, it's it's literally just DJJ, which he has been really good. I've loved what I've seen from him at center, not necessarily a power forward. But like that's not a good enough power forward rotation for a team that's actually trying to improve on what they did last season, which is what our tourists clearly noted in the offseason, or sorry, in the preseason, that they're trying to improve on what they did last season. And I don't understand how you do that when... You essentially bring back the same team, you know, Sans Lonzo. Yeah, okay, you've added Dragic and, and Drummond. Dragic, you know, he's, he's really regressed playing like a 36-year-old point guard at the moment and Drummond's in and out of the rotation for for good reason. So uh, I, I, I feel similarly, like they need to add to this roster. But to your point, like, does this roster deserve it to be added to anything? Like, yes, okay, fine. If you believe in this thing and you want to continue this thing going, then you need to add to this roster. But that, like, like you've noted before, like the, the win loss record is what it is. You're 22 and 25. Like, should you really be committing more assets to this team? They clearly, for whatever reason, just can't get it together. So th- that is the the looming question here, and I, I just don't know what the correct answer is. You can talk me into it being a buyer. You can talk me into it to being a seller. You noted that I've I've got something coming out tomorrow on, on the on the website around yeah, Vucha's contract status and what the Bulls should do. Like, not to give away the entire premise, but. Uh, I, I went deep on the fact that trading Vooch isn't necessarily a good option, that the Bulls won't get a good return for Vooch, and it probably makes more sense to bring him back. But then the games like yesterday happen, or, you know, thinking about it more broadly, the fact that you are three games under 500, you're 10th in the East, you're barely hanging on to a playing spot. You wouldn't be in the play right now if the Raptors weren't worse than you. So, from that point of view, like, I just go back and forth so many times. So I can't only, I can't imagine what like what it must be for Billy and AK and Mark Eversley, like what they must be thinking about this. Cause my mind is all over the place. I go back and forth on it. You can convince me one, one option is better than the other. But ultimately, I guess where I land on it is like, where can I derive the most value? And if I can get the most value by trading Zach, then that's what I'm doing. Maybe I can get the most value by trading Kobe for I don't know, someone's willing to give me something really nice for Kobe. I, that's, I doubt that's the case, but if for whatever reason that is the case and you can get something of, of real good value for, for Kobe or maybe even Pat, for example, then then I'm doing that too. Yeah, You can talk me that, into that situation as well. So I guess my point is, whichever value proposition is giving me the most value back, that's the lane I'm picking at this point because this team hasn't earned... The right to continue down the path of yes, we need to be buyers. I don't also think you should be going into this thing thinking we should just be sellers because I don't know. Like maybe you can't get much for Demar and vouch or or whatever the situation may be. So uh, I guess I, that's a long way of saying I have no idea what they should do. But uh, I, I guess that's why it's it's complicated right now because you could talk me into a, a range of different options.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, extracting value and. We got to take one more ad break, so I can tell you guys about the best way to get value on tickets to games, and that is our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Mark, have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat that you never thought you could? Maybe it's the fifty-yard yes. line, courtside to an NBA game, behind the home plate at a Cubs or Sox game, maybe even floor seats at a concert. It is possible with the Game Time app the biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats that you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season for the Bulls game. I think their next game is Tuesday, um, a week from yesterday against the Clippers. If you want to go see Kawhi and Paul George, check out the GameTime app. It is created by fans, for the fans, and for the guaranteed lowest prices. So if you love CHGO, I can promise you that you will love Game Time. It's the best way to support us by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the GameTime app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Um, I will say, though, back to the topic of value, what concerns me is that the Bulls aren't going to be operating from a position of power when it comes to extracting value. Um, I, I don't think they want to take a step back. And you know we, we can talk about whether inherently they're going to take a step back if they trade one of their big three but if the, if the value proposition is um, you can get two future first-round picks, so uh, two, let's say, the, the Lakers picks from 27 and 29, which is something that Zach Lowe brought up on his show yesterday for Zach Levine. Yeah. Uh, there, there's some problems with that trade proposal, just the money yeah. and, um, and everything like that. But if the Bulls are operating from a position of they can go either direction, I think that's the only way – that they're going to be able to extract value. Otherwise they're going to be operating from a place of desperation to try to get in to the playoffs. Right. And I think that's more likely where they're headed just based on what we've seen from this for an office so far, which has been, let's trade future first round picks and try to go win. So my guess is they're either going to stand pat and not do anything, maybe a super small move on the margin. um, But I just can't see them, going into this free agency period with an open mind of, we can either go for it or not. And if we get three first round picks for Zach, great. If we uh, we can package Vooch and DeMar together and get something great in return, great. But maybe, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich comes available for a reasonable price. And we want to go get him to upgrade a power forward. We could do that too. Um, they're much smarter than I am. So maybe they can operate with both of those possible outcomes at the same time. But I also wonder, like, if they did break up the big three, and I know you're the Vooch apologist, and and I I do appreciate what he does. I think he's a really good player. This year, he's been amazing, especially in January. I mean, putting up legitimate all-star numbers. Maybe it's Zach, maybe it's Vooch. Like, could they possibly make a trade for one of those guys, still get better or stay the same, but also maybe set themselves better, for the future because i think that could be the best scenario if you're gonna lose vooch or you're gonna sign him to a contract that you don't think is favorable or potentially like i said lose him for nothing maybe it makes sense to trade him and you get someone back that maybe is a little bit worse but maybe fits the way that you want to play a little bit better and elevates your team in that way you know i brought up kelly olenek several times over the past few years as somebody who is like a little bit more of a reliable spacer like floor spacer spot up guy and maybe that just like makes your offense a little bit more potent doesn't hurt your defense quite as much obviously he's not the name and you can maybe get malik beasley back in that trade if you throw in the portland pick or something like that i'll probably come up with like a whole list of possible trade ideas because you know i love that stuff but i wonder if there's a trade like that that could set them up a little bit better for the present uh despite maybe not having that all-star name but also doesn't totally derail their their future and like basically put them in a position where you get rid of your all-star player on, on a max deal and the only thing you get in return is a pick in five years I mean that that just seems like kind of an insane proposition to me
0: yeah and look so the, the issue the Bulls have like if, if they want to be buyers they don't really have the the, the the contracts to get it done like you mentioned Boyan Bogdanovich as an example like they don't really have a guy earning, say, fifteen million dollars on the roster who maybe is an expiring deal, someone they don't necessarily want to keep. Like last year, they had they had Derek Jones Jr. as an expiring contract. He was earning ten million or so last season. You could have paired him and Kobe. You could have got back a player earning twenty million dollars. Whereas this season, obviously, D- D- Derek Jones Jr. is earning you know three three and a half million dollars. Yeah, maybe you can package him and Kobe. You can get to ten million. But like, how many players of note can you get back? That's that's earning $10 million in a, in a trade? And, and does that player really move the needle to the point where it's actually advantageous for you to move Kobe and Dirk Jones Jr., as an example, to, to get that player in? To, to, to get a boy on Bogdanovich, you need to trade Lonzo uh, from a salary matching point of view, or maybe it needs to be Kobe and Caruso or something like that. In order to make the money work, essentially, it's, it doesn't really make sense. Now, for someone like Vooch. I don't. I don't think you can get back much value for, for Vooch at this point because who wants an expiring? Well, more generally, like who wants a center in this day and age? Like that, this is part of the problem the Bulls had in trading for a center. Like n- now trying to move him when he's an expiring an expiring contract. Only got a couple of months on this agreement at the, at the moment. Like who is going to give you anything of substance back for Vooch? Like that. That's the main problem with that. I that I see in Vooch. It's not like I'm against trading vooch and and you noted that i'm a vooch apologist which i am but i'm certainly not against trading vooch i just don't think there's a lot of value to be had like but even then like if you let vooch expire you're not really in a position from a cap point of view to go out and get his uh, replacement which i which i dive deep into in the into the in the into my post that comes out tomorrow but like another option is like you could maybe trade vooch for someone earning 15 20 million dollars like as an example and uh Demond here in the comments has sort of picked up on it. Like potentially you could trade Vooch to the Nets. Like the Nets need some front court size. I don't know if Vooch would start for the, for the Brooklyn Nets, given how good Nick Claxton has been, but maybe they would they would they would like to have them as a backup as an example. Would you trade Vooch for Joe Harris as an example? Like that works money-wise. It solves the ball's shooting perspective or shooting issues, rather. But what that does is uh, well, you're effectively trading out an expiring contract, which is Vooch for a guy who has a guaranteed deal in Joe Harris. But Joe Harris puts you over the cap next season. You're over the cap and all you will have is your mid-level exception. You, you've, you've used Vooch as an expiring piece to get something back in Joe Harris, but now you've created a problem at center with only the mid-level, mid-level accept, exception to do something to find your, set, your center next season. So I guess my point is you can't really get back, much back for Vooch. And by trading him, you go over the cap, and you put yourself in a position where you don't really have a lot of room to do things uh, going forward. So it's an imperfect situation. Trading Vucha, I'm not against it, but I, I just don't see. I just don't see what the trade looks like, and I don't think there's good value to be had, or, or at least value that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that's the difficulty. But to me, I I don't know how you trade Demar. I think that completely blows it up. And at that point, you may as well trade Zach and Fuchs. also. Um, I don't know how you can trade Zach at this point. I mean, I think that's a little bit more likely just because he's younger, he's guaranteed for more years. As you kind of noted, I don't think that expiring deals have the same value that they did in previous years. There aren't too many teams that are looking to clear space instead guys would rather have teams would rather have their guy locked in, where they're not concerned about necessarily losing him at the very least have restricted rights. Like you saw the Lakers trade for Rui Hachimura. Um, I think that that is a really tough trade to make um, for, for Vooch as well, but it also seems like the one option that doesn't completely destroy your present or long-term future. If the DeMarzak sort of trajectory is the one that you want to be on. So that's kind of why I say that I agree with you that there aren't a lot of good options. You probably do have to package him with somebody else. And then all of a sudden you're at a deficit at the center spot and you've completely changed your style of play. And, you know, any sort of accumulation of continuity that you've built up is now gone because you've gotten rid of one of your three most important players. So I do think it's a really difficult proposition for them to trade Vooch or Zach or DeMar. But again, if you have an opportunity to set yourself up, even if you take a small hit this year and it sets you up better, I think that's a scenario where you probably do want to look to make that. And I think Vooch is kind of the only candidate where that works. Um, you know, Zach Lowe said in in that segment on his podcast that, you know, the, the Zach Levine detractors would say that, you know, losing him for nothing or for some you know lesser version of him let's say tim hardaway junior for example like that doesn't really set you back quite as much i obviously disagree with that but maybe teams believe that and and the bulls think they can um stay approximately as good as they are clear out longer term money and also get a bunch of assets back i don't know maybe maybe that's an option maybe it's not but to me I think it becomes extremely difficult to trade Demar, So you do kind of have to start looking at one of Zach or Vooch or looking at the possibility of them not doing anything, which I think at this point is probably, as we've said, the most likely, but also the most frustrating.
0: Yeah, and look, I th- that's where I, where I ultimately think it'll land. I, I think they will do nothing because, one, they won't want to trade Demar. I don't think they want to trade Levine that leaves Vooch as the, the obvious trade candidate but as I just noted there's there's no obvious ways to for that to for that to happen or at least if there are guys that you could take back like you, you could trade Vooch for Tim Hardaway Jr. in a in a deal straight up but like Tim Hardaway's owed uh you know over thirty five million dollars over the next two seasons he puts you over the cap and like do you really want to be trading for Tim Hardaway to put you in a position where you're going over the cap is he the type of the player that you want to be going over the cap for? So there are deals you can make to to trade Vooch, but doesn't make sense, I guess is my point. I, for my in my opinion, no, it doesn't make sense. So I don't see Vooch going anywhere. Then you it just gets down to the point where I'm like, okay, we're talking about Kobe, we're talking about Caruso, Pat, Derek Jones Jr. And ultimately those guys aren't gonna get moved for anything of substance as well, which leads you to the position that they're going to do nothing. I don't think that should be the case, but part of it is dictated by what you can get out there in in in, in the market. And at the moment they're they're in a Precarious position, but just simply based on where they are in the standings. But I think more generally, like I don't know how much value a lot of their guys have, which just adds to or compounds the problem. But uh, it's disappointing. It, it's stuff like this that uh, makes last night's loss and losses like this, which there have been many, many of this season, just really adds to it all and just makes it even more frustrating. But nonetheless, obviously, we're going to be continued discussing this and a lot more over the coming weeks as we sort of ramp up the coverage. For the trade deadline, it's going to start getting real. Obviously, We're, we'll we'll uh we'll understand what's going to happen very soon. But nonetheless, we've got a game coming up. Our, our rivals, William, the Charlotte Hornets. For whatever reason, the Bulls and Hornets rivals uh, will be back tomorrow night post game to to cover uh, that that specific game. We assume it'll be a win for the Bulls, but uh, who the hell knows? But nonetheless. We appreciate everyone for tuning in tonight. We, we want to say thanks to our friends over at DraftKings, of course. But um, William, I want to say thank you to you as well for joining me on this podcast. Joey, thank you for producing and everyone for tuning in and supporting us here at CHDO. We uh, we appreciate what you do, what you guys do to support us. So thank you for for all that. But uh, like I said, Will, Big Dave, Matt, they'll be back uh, tomorrow evening to wrap up on postgame for Bulls Hornets. But uh, until then, we appreciate you tuning in and uh, speak soon, Bulls fans.